Hey everyone, so glad you were joining us today. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms and grandmas and great grandmas and foster moms out there. We are so grateful for you. So many of you moms go above and beyond to love your family well. Way to go. Um, and by the way, as is our annual custom on Mother's Day, we're going to have an opportunity a bit later in the service for you to speak a blessing over the children in your life. And so that's going to be fun. I'll give a few more details a bit later in the service. Hey, before we jump into the message, I wanted to take a moment and address something that many of you have been asking about as restrictions begin to lift and, and all of that, when do we think we might be able to worship together in our building again? I wish there was a simple answer to that, um, but there's not. It's, it's not a, a, as simple as just saying, hey, now that restrictions are lifting, let's gather again as a church. You know, I, I love our purpose statement, all things with Christ as a thriving family for all people. This pandemic is part of the all things with Christ for us, right? We, we want to follow Christ in this above all, and we want to be for all people in our community. So, so for us, a deeply held value that drives all of our decisions is simply love. The question of when we gather back together again is first and foremost about love. When and under what circumstances can love be fully demonstrated for all people and for our community? Our decision on when and how to gather together again for worship is not a political political issue for us. We, we don't view this through the lens of trying to make a statement about our freedom to meet or trying to align ourselves with any particular political perspective. No, we are first and foremost viewing this through the lens of love. How do we genuinely care for people? Which for us as a church means continuing to partner with our community to, to help slow down the spread of this virus. And it means prioritizing the protection of the most vulnerable people in our church family as best we can. So when are we gonna be able to meet together again for worship as a large group in our building? Honestly, I don't know. I don't know. As, as you can imagine, there are so many unique challenges to having a church our size, say like 500 people gathering in the same room right now and singing together and being together and having kids running around in our building and children's ministry going on. We, we are, I mean, we are unsure about things like needing to wear masks or physical distancing or spacing between chairs or temperature checks, et cetera, et cetera. If, if having these things in place would so diminish our experience together, then our most loving course of action would be to wait until these types of measures aren't really needed. Again, we just wanna make sure that when we do gather, we are able to do so safely for, for all, safely for all, and still have an amazing, wonderful worship experience together. So right now, we are choosing to continue to do our worship gatherings exclusively online. I mean, God is doing some amazing things through this church as we've been able to connect in this way. I do envision that many of our small groups will be able to safely gather in homes much sooner than we could as a large group in our building, which is awesome. As this unfolds and you believe God is leading you to, I would encourage small groups to do so. 
I mean, really, what a, what a great opportunity we have in this season to strengthen our small groups and to support and care for each other in this way. So we'll continue, we'll continue to keep you updated um, on how we as a church believe God is calling us to move forward as our elders and leaders continue to seek the Lord about this. Now, finally, let me just say, we realize that there will probably be other churches in our city, in our region, or in other states who will begin gathering for worship services when we're not. And we're okay with that. Each church needs to answer this question for themselves in their specific circumstances. Our timing is our own. And, uh, and, and, and so we're just following the Lord's leading. We're being compelled by love. This, this has always been... As you know, it's always been a huge value at Christ's community, loving our community well, loving our community well. So we eagerly look forward, I eagerly look forward to being able to gather together to worship Jesus. But until then, let me just remind us, we are still Christ Community Church, and we are together moving forward in the vision God has given us, all things with Christ as a thriving family for all people. We can wholeheartedly go after that vision, whether or not we're able to meet together in the same room. So I love you guys, and I'm so grateful to be on this journey with you. All right, hey, we are in the midst of a teaching series in which we're talking about peace, how we can experience peace in the midst of a storm, you know, whether that storm is specifically related to the impact of COVID-19 or maybe it's another storm that's brewing in your life. The reality is God invites all of us to experience peace. And so in this series, we are focusing in on Philippians chapter four, where Paul gives us some amazing and practical insights into how we can be people of peace no matter what is happening around us. Well, today we find ourselves in Philippians 4, verses 8 and 9, where Paul, Paul sort of stops and he gives this summary statement that encapsulates two key aspects of living a peace-filled life. So look with me at this passage as I read it. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. See, that last statement, that last sentence is the goal, right? That's the life all of us long for, a life in which we experience the continual presence of God manifesting his peace in us. The God of peace will be with you. That's what we long for. That's the goal. The question is, how do we cultivate that kind of a life? Well, in these two verses, Paul describes two critical aspects of living a peace-filled life and these two things, as we're going to see, are intimately connected. Okay, the first aspect of our living a peace-filled life is our thinking. Our thinking. What we are thinking about. Our minds play a critically important role in our spiritual formation. Paul says here, think on these things. 
In another passage in the book of Romans chapter eight, Paul says, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. See, notice our mind determines whether we will walk in, walk in death or life and peace. Our mind plays a critically important role in the quality of life we live, in the person we are becoming. Now, what Paul so powerfully articulates here in verse 8 is currently being confirmed, not surprisingly, but it's currently being confirmed by the ever-expanding field of neuroscience, the study of the brain. So just a few decades ago, just a few decades ago, scientists, brain scientists believed that our brains were pretty much a fixed and hardwired machine. In other words, what they, they believed was that any brain damage that someone would experience or a learning disability or trauma or a mental health struggle like depression, those things were viewed as being irreversible. They were just fixed. They were irreversible. But more recently, science is discovering that our brains actually have a plasticity. Our brains have a natural capacity to be shaped and rewired. And guess what causes our brains to be rewired in this way? Our thinking. Not having some brain surgeon operate on our brain. Our thinking actually rewires our brain. Research is discovering that our thinking actually creates neural pathways in our brain. Our DNA actually changes shape according to our thoughts. It's amazing. It's amazing. In her book, Switch on Your Brain, Dr. Carolyn Leaf, who's a Christian and an expert in this field, listen to what she writes. She says, as you think those negative thoughts about the future, the week ahead, what a person might say or do, that toxic thinking will change your brain wiring in a negative direction and throw your mind and body into stress. Toxic thinking, she writes, wears down the brain. This is amazing. It's amazing. So imagine, imagine a negative thought in your mind being like a, a young, a, a tree sapling. Okay. Can you see it? It's just a, a tree. It's mainly got a trunk and it's got a thin trunk. It's just a sapling. It's just young. It's just starting to kind of be, to grow. So imagine a negative thought being like that. As you think about that thought, it leads to other negative thoughts, right? We all know how this works. It leads to other negative thoughts. And those other negative thoughts actually, imagine them, they branch out from that sapling trunk. Thoughts like, uh, no one likes me anyway. I hate my personality. I'm sure I'm gonna lose my job. This virus situation will never end. You know, those kinds of, th those negative thoughts, they create branches from which other negative thoughts grow. And pretty soon, we have created an entire neural path. We have created an entire neural pathway in our brain that literally looks like a tree with multiple branches. Here's an actual photograph I just pulled off of the internet, an actual photograph of what these neural pathways look like. Notice, they, they look like they have little 
branches off of them. See, the more we think about these things, these negative things, the larger and stronger that pathway grows in our brain. This is what the Bible refers to as a stronghold. A stronghold. A stronghold is a, is a repeated pattern of thinking. It's not about a repeated action. It is a repeated pattern of thinking that over time becomes a mindset. It becomes larger and stronger in our minds. It becomes a mindset. I mean, the reality is all of us have these trees that we have created in our brains, these neural pathways of fear or rejection, or deception, or sinful thoughts, or whatever. And here's what I've discovered in my own life. There are certain things, or environments, or events that often will trigger these pathways. The pathways established, and then a, something will trigger that line of thinking for me. And this is probably gonna sound really weird, um, but there is a certain pathway in my mind that gets triggered whenever I mow the lawn. Seriously, it gets triggered whenever I mow the lawn. Why is that? Well, it's because years ago, I was going through a difficult season in, in my life and just emotionally difficult. And as I would be mowing our lawn, I would be thinking about that situation. And I would be thinking about a particular person that I was comparing myself to, and it would feed my own inadequacy. It would just stir up these negative thoughts and emotions within me, right? That was years ago. That was years ago. But now, whenever I mow the lawn, that whole negative neural pathway gets, often gets triggered. I find myself thinking about that situation. And, 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 and but putting it in more of a, a modern context, you know, a current context for me. But I'm thinking about that whole situation, those negative feelings and all that stuff. And if I don't recognize it, I'll actually start going down that path again. I'm mowing and all of a sudden I am right there again, thinking about that pathway, having all sorts of negative emotions and thoughts as I'm mowing the lawn. See, this is how our brains work. Whatever we think about, starts creating neural pathways. Our, our thinking actually creates tree-like formations in our brain. And the more we think about those things, the stronger and larger the pa that pathway becomes. Now, please hear me. I realize that this is probably triggering anxiety in some of, some of us who are, who are hearing this. Oh no, you know, what huge trees do I have growing in my brain? Don't go there, okay? Don't go there because here, here's the good news. Here's what I want to focus on. Since our brains have this neuroplasticity, we can actually rewire our brains. We can actually choose to plant new trees, new pathways that are life-giving and peace-filled. So don't worry about what trees have already been planted. Let's plant new trees, okay? Let's plant new trees so that the, the new trees we're planting as we're fertilizing them and we're cultivating those, these new peace-filled trees, they'll become bigger and stronger than these other negative pathways. And this, folks, is exactly what Paul is describing in verse 8. Look again at this list of things Paul urges us to think about and imagine each of these things being a tree from which some amazing branches can grow. Verse 8, whatever is true, 
whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. We, folks, we, we have an amazingly powerful choice every moment of every day. We can choose what we think about. We can choose what we think about. It is not the other way around. It is not. It is not the other, though sometimes we, th- we start to think this, it is not the other way around. We are not, we are not victims at the mercy of our brains. We're not. We are not at the mercy of our brains, nor are we at the mercy of the thoughts that randomly come into our minds. And by the way, that, that happens all the time. We will have, all of us, we'll just have this, this thought, this negative thought, this sinful thought, this self-centered thought or whatever. Those things are coming into our brains at various times. That is totally normal. We cannot control, you know, those thoughts coming into our brains. The key is what we do with those thoughts. As Martin Luther once said, you can't control the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. We can't keep these initial thoughts, those random thoughts, we cannot keep those from entering our brain. It's just gonna happen. But we can control what we do with them. What do we do when we get triggered to start heading down a well-worn negative thinking pathway? We actually have the power to choose what we think about. We have the power to choose what we dwell upon, what we allow to build a nest in our hair. Paul says, instead of focusing your thoughts on a lie that's not true, how about focusing your mind on what is true? Instead of focusing your mind on what is dishonorable, How about focusing your mind on what is honorable? Instead of focusing your thoughts on things that are impure and that objectify people, how about focusing your mind on things that are pure and that add value to people? I mean, do do we realize the amount of peace that would be unleashed in our lives if we just stopped listening to the lies we've been believing? Lies about how pornography is not harmful to ourselves or to others. Lies about how we're not worth anything or how God couldn't possibly love us after what we've done. What if for each lie, we instead chose to set our mind on what is true and holy and good? Can you imagine the peace that would bring into your life? Can you imagine the peace that would be unleashed in our relationships? If in the midst of our negative thinking about another person, which we all do, in in the midst of our negative thinking about another person who kind of irritates us or whatever, what if we chose to think about what is good in this other person? What what if we chose to build a new tree based based on a new think thought tree based on all the good qualities in this person so that whenever we were triggered to focus on the negative instead we chose to add branches to the positive can you imagine the peace that would be unleashed in our lives if when instead of going back to that old familiar tree of worry about the future 
and whether or not God will provide, what if we started building a new thought tree based on, say, Psalm 23? We began to, what if we began to, Psalm 23 is a psalm in the, in the Old Testament. So what, we, what if we began to think about how God is our shepherd? That's what the ta- psalm talks about. God is our shepherd and that he will provide everything we need. And what if, we, what if we started thinking about how he will lead us beside still waters and how he is with us when we walk through dark valleys and how we start thinking about how he will prepare a, he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies and how God is a gracious host pouring our wine glass so that this is always overflowing. Can you imagine Psalm 23 in your mind? Absolutely you can. <laughs> you can. You can't. I mean, the the imagery David uses is actually designed to create a picture in your mind. It is designed to create a picture in your mind. You just have to choose to start building that tree, that picture of life, instead of the tree of worry and anxiety. It is a choice we make. What we think about determines our level of peace and joy and life. Seriously, what we think about determines our level of peace and joy and life. And so the question is, which kinds of trees are we going to be creating and cultivating in our minds? Trees of life or death? Trees of peace or anxiety? Trees of bitterness and unforgiveness or trees of mercy? And grace. In a very real sense, friends, in a very real sense, you and I are the gardeners of our minds. We get to control the things that get planted and watered and focused on in our minds. So, how do we do this? Especially when we all probably have some redwood sized thinking patterns in our minds. I mean, let's just admit it. We probably all do <laughs> some pretty significant thinking patterns. These, these, these negative thought trees that have been established over years and years of our lives. Well, we find the answer to that question in the second thing that Paul mentions in this passage. Our thinking has to be combined with our practicing are practicing. The way our minds develop healthy thinking patterns that become more and more our default way of thinking is through practice. Intentionally building into our lives activities that cultivate this in a greater way. And this is true in any area of our lives. If we want to get better at fly fishing, or singing, or writing, or building furniture, or whatever. We have to practice. And the same thing is true in our spiritual lives. A lifestyle of peace doesn't just descend upon us supernaturally. It'd be awesome if it did, but it doesn't just descend upon us, nor is it this kind of one-time silver bullet experience. We're just looking for that silver bullet that will just immediately give us peace. It doesn't work that way. No, a lifestyle of peace is a result of specific practices that we build into our lives over time. Paul says in verse 9, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. 
Paul is saying real peace will happen in us when we choose to practice these things. Now, obviously, Paul here is, is referring to any number of things to practice. You know, he's, he has a relationship with the Philippians, and so he's any number of things that he's taught them over time. But I want us to hone in on this idea of practicing what he's just been talking about in verse 8. There are practices that we can build into our lives that can help us grow in this area of our thinking. And by the way, I've been doing just recently um, some listening to some podcasts and TED Talks and, and looking at some reading some books, some scientific research on, on the subject of happiness, of what makes happy people happy. And it has been so fascinating to see how all the scientific research points to the very practices that the Bible points us towards, the very same ones. So let me mention some biblical practices that can help us create healthy neural pathways in our brains. The first is what we call being present, being present, stopping to just be present in the moment, present to your body, present to your emotions, present to your mind. Why is this important? Well, in, in order to change the neural pathway tree that we are cultivating in our brain, we have to stop long enough to recognize what tree we are focusing on. We have to think about our thinking. You know, th th this ability to tune into our thinking is huge. For many of us, these old negative oak trees in our brain, they are so familiar to us. They are, they, they've, been, they've been built over years. They are so familiar to us that we don't even realize when we're adding more branches to that tree. We just keep mowing the lawn, you know, thinking about these things, not consciously paying attention to what we are thinking about. So what we desperately need is to build into our lives the practice of being present. And what I mean by that, it's start really small, take, taking two to three minutes every day, just two to three minutes each day, getting alone somewhere, turning off distractions, noise, music, all of that, and being present to what you're thinking about. Now, that, this practice is so significant because it enables us to recognize what trees we're building, what thoughts we're focusing on. This is something that, that I'm, I'm trying to build into my daily quiet time routine. So at, the, time, at the, the start of my time with the Lord, I try to take two to three minutes and just be present to my body. We do some spiritual breathing. We talked about that earlier uh, a few months ago. Do some spiritual breathing just to be present, to quiet my heart and to be present to my body and my heart and my mind. And, 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 and I'm just trying to be present to my thoughts and my emotions. What am I thinking right now? What, what, what emotions and thoughts are being stirred in me? Is it worry? Am I anxious about something? See, being, being aware of that enables me to change that pattern, right? That thinking pattern. It enables me to welcome Jesus into that place. If I didn't stop to recognize what was going on, I would just keep building negative branches on these things. So if you want to hear more about the practice of being present, you can go on our webpage under Watch Services and pull up a sermon that I did last September 8th entitled God's Invitation. It's part of a teaching series we did entitled, entitled Still. 
So I talk a lot about being present in that particular um, message and also some practices you can do, more details about the practice I was just describing. Now, a second practice that I mentioned last week, so powerful in this whole area, is the practice of gratitude. Gratitude, of regularly choosing to specifically identify and think about things that you are grateful for and to take a few moments to savor those things. Paul talked about that in, in, in we looked at last week about prayers that had gratitude. So that's the piece of that. But this is also a specific way to apply verse eight, to think about what is good and true and lovely. And that will have a huge impact upon your well-being and my well-being. This is so powerful. Rather, for instance, rather than focusing on what irritates you about your spouse or your roommate, what if you chose to spend 60 seconds, just 60 seconds a day, thinking about what you like about that person, what you are grateful for about that person? See, that one practice can transform that relationship because it is a God-given way to create new neural pathways in your brain, in my brain. It's a way to create new neural pathways in our brain. A third practice that I talked about just a few weeks ago is the practice of meditation, biblical meditation, where we regularly get alone with God and we read a portion of his word slowly and prayerfully. This is not speed reading. This is not reading for information. This is reading for transformation. Letting God shape our minds and our thinking through the Bible, through his word. Now, one of the the Bible verses that specifically talks about meditation is Psalm 1. And you can check it out later. It is such a powerful psalm. But interestingly enough, we are told that a person who meditates on God's word is like a tree planted by streams of water. Interesting, right? Meditating on the word helps us build new neural pathways, new trees in our minds. Trees that are rooted in what is true and what is lovely and what is pure and what is good. In other words, trees that are rooted in Jesus because he is all those things and more, right? Jesus is truth. Jesus is honorable and praiseworthy. He is lovely. He is pure. He is excellent. He is holy. The more we fix our eyes upon our amazing Savior, Jesus, the more peace we will experience. So if you want to hear more about meditating on the word, how to do that, you can check out the sermon from April 5th, just about a month ago, um, entitled How to Be Transformed by This Book. Now, let me get even more practical on this meditation thing. One thing that you can do in biblical meditation is to actually create a new tree based on what you're reading in scripture. So let me explain what I mean by that. Let's say in your time with the Lord, you're reading and, and you read about, you know, nothing can separate you from, Christ, from the love, God's love in Christ. 
So if you can actually take that truth, take a moment and imagine what your life would look like if you lived in the fullness of that truth, right? So let's, let's say nothing can separate you from God's love. That becomes the trunk of a new thought tree. And then you start to think about that. Wow, what, what branches could be built from that? What difference would it make in your life if you knew that you were loved by God? Well, I wouldn't have to worry about what other people thought of me. That's pretty cool. That would be another branch. That would be a, a, a branch, right? And I, I wouldn't have to worry about the future because nothing would separate me from God. I wouldn't have to worry about the future. That would be another branch to add to this tree. See, what you're doing is you are intentionally building a new neural pathway based on God's word to you. You're drawing it out in your journal. You're thinking about all the implications, what your life would look like if you actually lived in this truth. And suddenly all these positive branches could be built from that. I did this a couple months ago in my journal. I started with this key truth as the trunk of this tree. I was drawing it out that God is with me. And then I began to think, what if I really believe that? What if I really believe that God is with me? And so I literally began to draw branches from that truth. I was going to show it to you, but my writing is so horrible and the picture was so horrible. I thought, nah, better not. But, but just began drawing branches. So for instance, one of the branches, if, if I believe that God is with me, then there is nothing to be afraid of. Okay. So I actually wrote that out. I created a branch. And not only that, I would be confident that God is truly leading me in the midst of decisions I'm needing to make or whatever. I would be confident God is leading me. That's another branch. That these are branches that result from meditating on this truth that God is with me. So rather than feeding the tree of insecurity and worry, I now am feeding a different tree fueled by what God says about him and about me, that he is with me. I'm focusing on that reality more and more, trying to build a new and stronger neural pathway in my mind. See, friends, we can choose. We can choose what neural pathways, what trees we are going to feed and cultivate and think about. We can choose that, and the impact will be huge. Paul says, do these things. Put these things into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. Let's pray together. So Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts right now about how you want us to respond? That's the most important thing here. It's not the truth we just heard. It's how are we going to respond? So what is Jesus saying to you about your next step response? Are there specific areas in your life where you know your negative thinking is impacting that? And there are, there are, there are strongholds, there are redwoods, there are trees that have been built and, and you just keep adding to the branches of negativity and you, you know that's the case.
So what I want to ask and what I encourage you to think about here, this message is really about putting things into practice. What are you going to do differently today to start building new pathways? So let's just pray about that for a moment. Maybe it's being present, taking a couple minutes today just to be present to your thoughts and welcoming Jesus into those thoughts. Or maybe today you're going to start a list of gratitude about another person or about a situation. You're going to tangibly start a list of things to be grateful for. And you're going to think about, take a few minutes and think about those things. Or maybe it's the practice of meditation. We, we've started, our church recently started this Going through the book of John together, you can get the reading plan on our website. And I'm loving it. It is so much fun to know others are, we're in the same passage together. But maybe it's the practice of meditation on the word to build these new neural pathways, these trees that are fueled by, nourished by streams of water, that picture in Psalm 1. Maybe it's meditation. So whatever it is, just take a moment. And, and just tell the Lord, God, I want to do that today. I want to practice one of those things, maybe all three, but what are you, you going to do about this? Allowing the Lord um, to use these practices, but it starts with our choice. There's one other response um, that I want to mention. If you feel stuck in a negative thinking pattern and you just can't seem to get out of it on your own, I encourage you to consider signing up for a Hope Abounds prayer time. This is a ministry we have in our church. It's a free ministry. It's a Jesus-centered prayer experience that allows you to invite him into these places of negativity and pain. So you can call the church to make an online appointment for a Hope Abounds prayer time. So God, I just want, no matter what our responses were here, would you help us to put into practice some aspect of what we've just heard and read about from your word so that we could grow in our experience of peace. And so I pray that blessing upon everyone watching this right now, everyone praying this right now. Lord, that the, the things that we implement into our lives, you would use those things to begin building new neural pathways, just the way your word talks about, so that the God of peace would be with us, would more and more be experienced by us. And so I just pray that for all of us. Thank you, Lord. Well, before we go into worship, we want to take a few moments here and do something that's really fun and uh, can be so impactful to our children. It's the, it's the concept of blessing. In the Bible, parents are encouraged to speak a blessing upon their children. It's different than a prayer. Um, it, a blessing, it, it's actually to speak a blessing. The Bible says that when we speak a blessing, we are actually imparting spiritual life upon them. So if you want more information about the concept of blessing, um, as well as some sample blessings that you as parents can use, um, just click on the link below this video. 
Um, we have a, a pamphlet we've put together there. This is a practice that I did for years with when my kids were in our homes, in, in our home. And, and uh, we encourage parents to practice this. So in just a moment, we're actually going to practice it. Even if you've never done it before, don't worry. It's, it's very easy. It's very cool. But we're going to put it on the screen in just a moment. The words of a common blessing that's used in scripture from the book of Numbers chapter six. Now, if you're, if you're with your kids or they're in the house somewhere, I, I wanna encourage you, go ahead and hit the pause button on this video and gather them with you, okay? So go ahead and go get them. Hit the pause button, go get them. If you're not in a place where you're currently around your children, I encourage you, maybe they're out or something, you find a time later to do this with them or maybe your kids are not at home, they're older, they've moved out, or maybe you're a grandparent. Some of you have tons of grandkids, so this could take a while. Or maybe you're a, you're a parent figure or a mentor in someone's life. All of you can speak a blessing onto these children, into these children, no matter how old they are. You're never too old to receive a blessing from your, your parents. And so call them up and tell them you want to speak a blessing over them, and then speak this blessing from number six over their lives. Okay, for the parents with children at home, I encourage you, encourage you to make this a daily practice. Make it a daily practice before your kids go to bed where you lay a hand on their head or their shoulder and you just speak a, by a biblical blessing over them. It's so powerful. Okay, so here's the blessing that we're gonna use today, number six, 24 to 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. There is so much in that blessing that we are imparting to our children when we speak it over them. So for those of you who have your children or grandchildren with you, go ahead and hit the pause button and then place a hand on each child and speak that blessing over them one at a time. When you're done with that, hit play and let's worship the Lord together.